0: I so appreciate Corey and Jess. By the way, they're products of of children's ministry and youth ministry, and now they're serving and in, uh, in Taiwan and here helping us. It just it's really great to have that bass and the piano. And, and if any of y'all play piano, we'd love to have you come play for us. Because when they have to go back on deputa- uh, back to raise some more money, and they have to go and uh, go back to Taiwan to uh, be a witness there, um, they're going to need we're going to need a piano player again. So just, uh, if you play, just let us know. We can, we'll put you in. Um, turn your Bibles, we you will, to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. We are kind of wrapping up. There's only a few more messages in Mark. Um, probably we'll end this month, uh, uh, that we'll end what we have done in Mark. Because see, at Easter, I kind of covered in Mark the Easter story. But we got a few more things that moved up to that Easter story. We're in the last week um, Jesus is doing the last things uh, before his arrest and crucifixion. And he is teaching and, and uh, preparing people and, and, and giving that, really those last instructions, not only to his disciples, but trying to impact the Jewish religion, the religious leaders, and help them to understand what's going on. He really, he has compassion and love for them and, and, and they're just not getting it. So we're going to break through these verses. It's going, we're going to be verse 35 to 44. I'm not going to read it all at once. We'll just break it into the sections and then we'll, we'll dig in a little bit. So first things, the, the, the question is, who is the Son of God? Now, Jesus had just finished answering a bunch of questions from people and he kind of shut them down because, well, he brought them to this point and they just didn't, they couldn't answer their hypocrisy was being exposed and they couldn't they 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 shut down you ever you ever have that you ever getting kind of a um debate with somebody I'm not going to say argument let's talk a a, a debate and you get to that place where you shut them down I love to do that I hate it when it happens to me (laughs) See, Jesus was all right, and he had shut that debate down. Now he's going to try to instruct them. Verse 35, And Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, How say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore calleth him Lord, and whence is he, Than his son. And the common people heard him gladly. Let me give you a couple things here before we actually dig into what Jesus is saying. He's actually quoting a psalm, and and he is also explaining to them what the Messiah and who the Messiah is. But I noticed one little thing at the last of that it said, Look at the common people heard him. I think one of the troubling things today is maybe we're, we're not common enough to hear him. The religious leaders of that day, the people who should have known, the scribes, uh, the Pharisees, um, uh, the priests, all the leadership that was supposed to run this, this religious organization, that we were supposed to carry on all the commands that, that had been given in the Old Testament for, for Israel to be a very special people and to point people to God, they had messed it all up. And they wouldn't listen to him. But the common people, they heard him. I think we have some of that today. Let's not educate ourselves so much that we cannot see Jesus when he comes let's not allow traditions to mess us up so Jesus in this question he exposed these religious leaders he, he exposed them as ignorant of what the old testament taught about the nature of the messiah he, he showed them as inept as teachers um, <laughs> he just exposed that they they really didn't know what they're talking about The Old Testament, the Hebrew word, um, in the Old Testament, Christ, the, that's the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed one. It refers to the king whom God had promised. So let me, understand, let me help you understand, um, Christ is not Jesus' last name. That's his title. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. Now, what was Jesus' last name? Probably in Jewish tradition, it would have been Jesus bar Joseph, Jesus the son of Joseph. But we know that he was Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God. So he is starting to explain some of these things. David uh, said by the Holy Spirit that, 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 that uh, I will sit down at his feet at the Messiah's feet so how could that happen this is a very very important question one is enemies just they wouldn't even ask him this for if we are wrong about Jesus listen if we are wrong about who Jesus is who the Christ is then then we're wrong about salvation this is so important Jesus quoted Psalms And the only way David's son could also be David's Lord would be if the Messiah were um, God come in human flesh. The answer, of course, is Jesus as God in human flesh. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? We celebrate the fact that, that God manifested through the Virgin Mary. He was born into this world to become the Savior of this world the Lord of this world. That's who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is God. You can never, ever forget that. This next section, though, Jesus starts warning people. I love this. It says, beware the scribes. Verse 38, and he said unto them in his doctrine, beware the scribes which love to go in long clothing, and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feast, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. Wow. He says, beware to watch out for. It. Guard against the evil influence of the scribes. These guys, man, they love the attention. They wore the, the finest robes. And they wanted to, to, to sit in the, the, the best seats. They, they oh man, they went in long, long prayers. Really not really praying to God, but they just look at me. Isn't that a problem we have today? This look at me stuff. And and, and these scribes, they, they were the religious leaders. Look at me. Look at the airplanes that I own and fly. Look at the look at the, the the size of my church. Look at look look at me. Look at the the. You know I understand you can spend a whole lot of money on a suit. I understand some of these guys have ten thousand dollar suits. Oh, wow, what can I do with ten thousand? I got a hundred and fifty dollar suit, and I think that's a, too much. Maybe I just ought not to wear suits. The section, this it's two real warnings here. The warning is against pride, the pride of the scribes, we get lifted up with pride. And isn't that the thing that very um, very much condemns us and loses and we lose uh, credibility and we we isn't that exactly what had caused Satan to fall? Was his pride? He was lifted up. And we live in a day that, that we have, uh, that pride's a big, big thing. You hear about it all the time of one way or another. We're always lifting ourselves up. And, and if you read scripture real carefully, we don't need to lift ourselves up as followers of Christ. He'll do that for us. Psalm 100, uh, 1 Peter, I'm sorry, Psalm 1, 1 Peter 5 will talk about that, that in, in your time he will lift you up. We don't need to, he warns us against that pride. <laughs> we were talking to Sunday school Eric and I remember some of you guys may remember this uh, I'm using one of my old Bibles actually it's an open Bible like I gave Blake for Sunday school I got tired of bringing Bibles from place to place so I'll put one in Sunday school and I'll use it And I've got plenty of them and they're just sitting on my shelf collecting dust but I opened up the Bible So hey yeah this one has um, has a signature from from Dr. Gray And how many of you guys remember the day that that when there would be a preacher come, you'd go up after the service and you'd take your Bible to them and they'd they'd autograph your Bible? And you all ever experienced that? Or is that just that little crowd that I ran with? I had somebody ask me to sign their Bible one time. I was on deputation to be a church planter in Gainesville, and he asked me to sign the Bible. I said, hey, man, you don't want my signature. I'm nobody big. We'll see how we create that. And, and, and you know when people start doing that, Corey was saying that somebody came to him, he goes, no, I don't want to. Do-. You know that has a tendency to lift up your pride and you start building up and it becomes more about you. He's saying we need to warn, aware, and be aware of that. The other thing he did is he called them flat-out thieves, which devours widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Devour, they're stealing from from widows. It, it, seems that, it seems that these scribes would often serve as estate planners for widows. And that gave them the opportunity to convince distraught widows that they would be serving God by supporting the temple or the scribe's own holy work. In either case, the scribe benefited monetarily and effectively robbed the widow of the husband's legacy to her. Does that sound familiar today? Listen, I, there was a little lady in in uh, in Sanford. Every time she saw a certain type of commercial, she would try to give to it, and she would give. And she was a widow, and she she didn't have much, and she got taken over and over and over by people supporting something that was just wasn't right, and. And I see these guys on television, and they're, they're just working people over for money. And they seem to target uh, our older generation and, and, and widows, and they take the last things they have and they for their own gain. That's wrong. That is so wrong. In fact, you know, if you read through the Scripture, we're supposed to take care of widows and orphans. They were... These guys were so perverted in their worship. They wanted the money, and they didn't take care of them. We've got to be careful we don't do that. Listen, I understand. Ministries need money, and I'm asking money for a mission project. <clears throat> Let me say something to you, and, and we'll get a little bit more in the next section. If you can't afford to give, don't give. If you're a widow and you can't afford to give, only do what you can afford. And let us know so we can take care of the things that you need. James tells us that all religion, religion pure religion, is taking care of widows and orphans. And we need to be about that, but sometimes we don't know the needs. But I, do, listen, I will, I do not, but let's go to the next section so I can finish this thought. The widow's offering. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and behold, how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto his disciples, and he saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more, cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even her living. He's observing this. Now, I know that you've heard this passage preached over and over again. How wonderful this widow was to give everything she had. And Jesus was really lifting her up. I'm not sure that's true. Um, I've always thought about this thing, and what are we doing in the context here? And, And just a few weeks ago, I was listening to John MacArthur on the radio as I was coming in, and he touched this. If you look at the context, Jesus has just got through talking about how bad the scribes are stealing money from widows, in the next section we're going to get into, he's going to talk about end times and how that temple is going to be destroyed. He has been condemning in this whole uh, last two passages the religious crowd. And I think what he's doing is he is condemning the religious practice that would, would make a widow throw in everything she had and hope that she could make it till the next time she got money so she could eat. I'm sure Jesus had compassion on that widow, but I don't think he was wanting us to act like that widow. You see, Israel had explicit laws on how to take care of widows, but they had worked their traditions around where they could steal from them. Don't let any preacher on television, any organization on television guilt you in or make you think you're going to be better if you give everything you have and starve. That's not what Jesus would ever want you to do. It just kind of makes me mad. I've seen so many people, I've seen so many people hurt themselves because they thought I might get some special thing. And sometimes this very passage is used to to make them feel like if I give everything I have and I don't have anything else and and I'll just trust God to, to take care of me. I don't think Jesus planned it that way. It doesn't really line up with any other scripture. And we'll talk about what it means to give in a little bit later. But let me caution you, don't, man, we live in a time of lots of thieves and robbers and, and, called, and they call themselves clergy. We need to stay away from that. We need to be back to this word of God. In fact, what we've seen exposed here is just nothing but rank hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of the, of the scribes, the, the hypocrisy of the, the Pharisees, the hypocrisy of the Sadducees, the, the chief priests, nothing but, but hypocrisy. And as believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus, we have got to avoid hypocrisy. So in the time we have left, let me kind of walk through some things to help us avoid hypocrisy. People love to say, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, they're a hypocrite too. And we all have hypocrisy, let's, let's face it. But we can avoid a lot of it if we will follow some of the steps I'm getting ready to talk about. First one, we can avoid hypocrisy by resting in the presence of the Messiah. Verses 35 to 37, Jesus is once again explaining that he is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He will be the savior of all who trust in him. And if you think about Jesus... He, If we just rest in his presence and we try to be like him, could you ever point to any hypocrisy of Jesus going through the scriptures? There was never hypocrisy. We need to rest in his presence. Now, I know what all the preacher says, and be careful. Even I will say stupid things sometimes. That's my family. They can tell you all sorts of them. They'll give you a list. All right, since you don't. <clears throat> We need to rest in the presence of the Messiah. And that means resting in the truth that Jesus is Lord. In Acts chapter 9, we have the story of of Saul who turned into Paul and his, um, his salvation experience. You see, he was out to destroy. He was one of these hypocrites. He was a Pharisee. He told himself, he's the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had all these credentials. He was learned. He studied by Gamaliel. He's the, best, he's the best guy ever, man. He was the prime teacher. I mean, that's like studying with John Cash at, at Trinity. Or, or who's the big guy at, um, at BBC? Who was the, the, the do-all teacher at BBC? Is it Harnu or something like that? Was, you know, it was probably before you because I heard all these old guys my age, <laughs> the old guys, and Pastor Bales talk about this, this one teacher out there that he was the, he was the guy. Um, he had all, Paul had, Saul had all the credentials, and he was out persecuting the church. And he's on his way to Damascus because he's got letters and permission to go persecute him and pull, throw him in jail, and he could even kill him if he needed to. He was doing all this for the glory of God, and all of a sudden, Jesus stops him in the road to Damascus. He sees a vision. His horse, he falls off the horse. And listen to what his words says. It says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? There's a preacher that I heard several messages from in, uh, while I was in Bible college. And uh, he, had a, he used this passage, and, and uh, he, he called it, He said, uh, uh, the name of his message was, that's him. Saul realized that whoever this person was, was Lord, was God. That's him. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. That was the start of, of, that was the salvation of Saul, who became Paul, who wrote the, most of the New Testament, who planted churches everywhere, all because he recognized Jesus as Lord. Can I, can I tell you something? There are a lot of religious people who will name the name of Christ, but Jesus is not their Lord. I have kind of an experience with that. I had trusted Christ as my Savior, and uh, I was really happy about that. I'm going to heaven, right? But I had my own plans. I had a five-year goal plan. I was working for a a, a sporting goods company. Listen, I'm 23, 23, 24 years old, just out of the Air Force Got a job with a wholesale sporting goods company. We repped um, fishing tackle and dive equipment and water skis. And, 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 man, I got to go fishing with some of the, the named big names of that day. And I hung out with pro water skiers in Orlando. And, and I was, I mean, it was a great job. I made good money. Uh, I threw away good money, too. But I had my plan. And I was happy I was going to heaven. But, but, see, I just want to go sell sporting goods and have a great time. And that was my life. I just love to have a good time. Through that process, over this time that I'm trying to have a good time, God's trying to work on me to, to do what he really had for me to do. You see, he was my Savior, but he wasn't my Lord. And he worked to a place where he got me where I decided that, and I understood that Jesus was not only my Savior, but he is my Lord, and I need to follow whatever he says. If you're here this morning, and, and you know Christ as your Savior, but you don't really live for him, he's not really your Lord, he's not who you check with before you do things, let me tell you something, make him the Lord of your life. He will not steer you wrong. We were Yesterday we were in Gainesville, 30th anniversary of a church in Gainesville that, that uh, Pastor Bales started and then we came alongside later when I graduated Bible college um, I wanted to be a church planner I want to go someplace where what no churches and start a church and uh, we were going to go to Maine Augusta Maine I'd never been to Maine Um, yeah Dick's back there yeah I heard there was no churches up there and and uh, there are just several things and Cindy already you know she's she's from up north, and she understood cold, and I just had a couple winters in Korea, and I figured, well, no, if God's there, we'll be fine, and Cynthia prayed us out of going to Maine. <laughs> she surrendered to go to Maine, but she prayed us out, and we ended up going to Gainesville. Gainesville, uh, was where the University of Florida is, and, and don't, you Gator fans, don't go crazy. Um, I got it, I know. Um, I can tell bad things about the, the Gators, and we could get into that. We'll wait till Florida State game and Miami game, and then we'll we'll have some fun with that. Fun, it's not that serious a deal. We went to Gainesville, place where churches just died. In fact, there was a huge church there at one time, University Baptist Church. A guy was incredibly innovative. He had drive-in services before drive-in services were needed. Um, really cool building. There was a Christian school and. Uh, we went there, and I walked through that place, and they were down from a huge complex to meeting in one room, getting ready to shut the church. I left a note. God's in the business of starting churches, not shutting them down. They didn't want anything to do with me. So we went to Gainesville. We were going to start a church. We couldn't find any place to meet, so we started visiting churches. So we visited this, this church plant. <laughs> Some of y'all will get to I was not real smart. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know about organizations. When I was in, uh, uh, starting to, to raise money to go to Gainesville, Gainesville um, I heard about a guy that, uh, a BBF guy that was planting a church there. I didn't know what BBF meant. But I called him, and I didn't get a hold of him. I got a hold of his son, Keith. That BBF guy turned out to be Pastor Bales. We went to the church. We were meeting in a school called Oak Hall and uh, um it was funny because the singing group from trinity was coming was there and we showed up and our kids had been bounced around from church to church to church they loved it there was a couple of college kids taking doing kids ministry i think um it was bill and paula and craig knows them and craig's son chase was there and uh all of a sudden i, I met bill and charlotte and uh, we met them and um We had pretty much the same vision of what we wanted to do, and God joined us at that point in time. That's why one of the reasons we went to to Gainesville was to be mentored and loved and joined with Pastor Bales, and we became a great team, not only in Gainesville, but we we became a great team here, and God blessed our ministries. Not only that, when Bill came here, um, he recommended me for a church. that didn't happen. They called another man in named Rick Chandler. And uh, he used us to bridge the gap between Rick and, and Bill. And Rick and Kay Chandler, some wonderful people. They were really young. And, um, and we were able to help them. And we had some, there was some normalcy. Our families got to be together. And there was some normalcy. And I got to see them yesterday. There were some other families we had a, an impact on. And we were really only there, what, three years, Cynthia? Three, three years. And the other thing that we went to Gainesville for, why God put us there, was Shands. Gretchen started going to Shans. Her doctor, her immunologist, Dr. Schlesman, took her and helped fix her. Not permanently fixed. She still struggles, but he saved her life. Because the pulmonary guy said, oh, man, she's got three, four years. And Dr. Sleesman said, ah, no, nah. we we, we're going to take care of this. When Jesus is the Lord of your life, you can rest in the fact that he is Lord. If he directs you someplace, you can know that there's reasons. Now, I still hadn't quite figured out the reason we went to, to Arkansas for a year and a half. Um, for me, that was the backside of the desert. But uh, We went. And then we came here. Maybe it was just, you know what, I think it may have been the fact, I came back here as a youth pastor. I would not want to be a youth pastor. After being in Arkansas, I'd love to be a youth pastor. And it wasn't, and there's nothing wrong with the state of Arkansas. It was just the, 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 the situation we were in was difficult. But see, when Jesus is your Lord, when you're resting in the fact that he is the Lord, you can rest in the fact that what he does in your life will move you to the place you need to be. You can avoid hypocrisy by resting in Jesus. Oh yeah, there's one more point there. I've got to fill the lab. Rest in the fact, rest in the truth that Jesus will heal your soul. You go, why are you using that one before you talked about, about him being Lord? Because sometimes, even as a believer, our soul needs to be touched. And Jesus is the one. He's the one that can restore our soul. Not only does he give us salvation, he restores our soul. And then we can rest in the truth that Jesus gives us grace because that is exactly what we need, nothing but grace. 2 Corinthians twelve nine says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If we want to avoid hypocrisy, we need to live in the truth that Jesus is the Messiah and all that goes along with that. Secondly, if we want to avoid hypocrisy, we need to focus on inner spirituality rather than outward appearance. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms of feast. Man, we need to work on the inner spirituality, not on the outward look. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says this I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Be ye you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and that acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, we can't, we don't need to focus on the outward appearance. We need to focus on the inward man, the in our hearts, our heart condition. Man, it's so easy to come up with a bunch of rules and regulations that if we can abide by that that we look right, we say the right words, we have the right Bible, and it has to be big and, and you got to hold it up like this so everybody can see it. If we have all that stuff together, we're spiritual. No, we're just like the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees when we do that. We have to be transformed. It's a heart issue. Ephesians tells us, and, and Ephesians four that we are to put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. We are to put away those things that were behind us, those old things, the the corrupt things, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, what you understand is Jesus has given us all his righteousness, all his holiness, and we just need to live that out. We need to let that settle in our hearts and quit trying to perform our way into some sort of way of pleasing God. It's not performance. He looks at the heart. I can go a long way with that, but I don't want to go too far. Now I'm going to get in trouble because, ladies, I'm going to talk to you. 1 Peter 3, and, and it says this. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. And this is what I'm getting at in old, whose adorning let it not be that of outward adorning, of plaiting of hair and the wearing of gold and, Or a putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. And that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Which is in the sight of God a great price. By the way who had a meek and quiet spirit? Jesus. So what he's telling you is just be like Jesus. It's not about the outward appearance. It's the heart. It's not. Proverbs 31 Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord she shall be praised. First Timothy two nine, in like manner also that women adore themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Okay. Couple things we need to say. Dress nice okay it's not about it, 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 he's not telling you you have to dress shabby you see I know people that have taken that to an extreme and, and and women dress shabby and and that's not the men all they <laughs> I hate it when I see these things happen men dress in their fancy suits and they look them they look like peacocks strutting around and the women are all in shabby clothes and not in stylish and stop that stuff that's not what God's talking about here. See, that's go back to the hypocrisy. I'm going to be so godly that I'm going to look like, no. We're to dress nice. We're to feel good. We're to, to take care of ourselves. But let, that's not the main thing that's out there. It's not like being a shiny person. You see those people that, that sometimes get up on stage in, the, in church and they're, 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 you know they're performing because it's not the Holy Spirit because it's all about looking at me. He's saying, "Don't do that. Go to the heart—a great heart." You see, all that other stuff that we do—we either we're 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 showing off all our stuff—that's hypocritical, or we're putting ourselves down into a mean area—that's hypocritical. We gotta avoid hypocrisy. Man, let's just take care of the heart. Corey uh, preached a couple weeks ago. And uh, he said this, he said that we have to hate sin. And that's exactly right. We need to hate sin. I I believe that's a great definition of holiness is when we hate sin. And by the way, I hate the sin I commit. And yes, I do. I'm not perfect. Far from it. Ask anybody that knows me, even a little bit, how imperfect I am. He's God. I can. It, it, you know, when I hate the sin of my my sin, it drives me back to Jesus, to the grace that He gives, and and then I can. I, I you know, if we just hate our own sin, not try to cover it up, hate it, let it drive you to the grace of Jesus. You know what? You're going to avoid some hypocrisy then. And when you do get to this place where where Man, you get called out as a hypocrite, don't bow up and talk. Ask forgiveness. Isn't that what Jesus taught us in Matthew 18 we, when we mess up, that we are to ask forgiveness? Please, please forgive me. Hard, it's hard to call someone a hypocrite when they're begging for forgiveness and when they admit their sin. See, we have got to avoid hypocrisy. Last point, we avoid hypocrisy by giving ourselves to the Lord. Really, that kind of sums it all up. Here's the story. We're back to the treasury and the the widow. She cast in everything she had. Everything she had. All of her substance, it says. That could mean that she cast it all in and she was going to go home and die. And we've already addressed the fact that we don't, that's not what, The Bible teaches about giving, but the Bible does teach that we are to give of ourselves to the Lord. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12, 1 refers all the way back when it says, therefore, all the way back to Romans chapter 1, where it starts exposing the sin and then it starts exposing the, the grace of God and the, the answer for sin and, and, and how God is going to move things through, and we get to this place, because of everything God has done for us, it only makes sense that we give him back our bodies, our reasonable service. Some, way, some people will translate that the logical worship. That word reasonable is the word logizomai. love that Greek stuff. I paid too much to take that class. So many times, I've got to use it. Okay, folks. If, I know you may not like it, but it's I got to you know it, it, I got to be a good steward of all that money I spent. We get the word logic from that. Isn't it only logical that that for all that Jesus has done for us, that we just serve Him? Doesn't that just make sense? It should it should present your body as a living sacrifice. You see under the old covenant God accepted sacrifices of dead animals. But when Jesus came, he gave the ultimate sacrifices. Old Testament sacrifices weren't needed anymore. They're, they they see Hebrews 9. But for us who are in Christ, this only acceptable worship is to offer ourselves completely to him. So what does that mean? Does that mean you got to work yourself Dennis used to say you you worked at a church that uh, would win them, wet them, work them, and waste them. Been there too. Guilt people into doing all sorts of things. Listen, there are lots of places for you to serve God. Within Within the walls here, over there, whether it's being a greeter at the door helping Mike out. Um, whether it's helping serve coffee or bring food, I gather we're doing that again. So y'all, y'all getting your little breakfast times now? None of that food's healthy for me, so it was really good. It, I, it was not great that when we didn't have that, I wasn't tempted to go eat that sweet stuff. <clears throat> I'm trying to stay away from over there now. I see a, is that a chocolate donut? Well, as soon as you'll have that one done before. Look. Reasonable. Logical. In light of all the spiritual riches believers enjoy, just because God is so merciful to us, it is logically follows that we give them our highest form of service. Whether that be financial giving, whether that be giving of your time, whether that be giving of your talents, we have all of those things. Some have great musical talents. Use it for the Lord. I'm not sure what all my talents are. I'm just trying, everything I can do, I'll just give it to him. If you're blessed financially, you can give financially. Just follow what God tells you to do. <clears throat> if you're willing to, to sit in a nursery with a kid or, or, or to be somebody that, that just kind of manages the, the um, chaos in a kid's ministry, Go do that. Whatever you can do. We're going to be starting up our senior adult ministry in the uh, in August, and we will we're going to we're going to kick some things in gear. I'm already trying to set up a, a trip to um, uh, the children's home up in Tampa for for uh, <coughs> excuse me for September. Um, now that we have that really nice bus that um, the Seminoles gave us, um, it, it'll be more pleasant trips. Maybe you can help somebody there. Maybe you can help at the football game. There's, everybody has something they can do to serve the Lord. Maybe it's just praying and loving. We've got people that come in here and pray. We need prayer. Whatever God lays on your heart, just go be obedient and do it. We're going to need some more workers for Good News Club. Look, I, I can lay out thing after thing after thing. The thing, the, the, really, what I want you to do is to understand that we need it only makes sense because of what Jesus that we give back to him. We get back to him. You know what that'll look like? Romans 12, just going down a little bit further. starting verse nine says this: "Let love be without dissimulation." And hoard that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, and honor performing one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another Give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, that's a description of a believer who's not a hypocrite. If we follow that, we'll avoid hypocrisy. Romans also, same chapter, credible chapter, says this. For I say, verse 3, for I say through the grace given unto me that every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. It also goes on then to give all the different types of gifts. Every one of you have at least one gift, maybe more. Some of you are super talented in lots of ways. Use what God has given you. Humble yourself. Live out the grace that Christ has given you and we will avoid hypocrisy and glorify our Lord if you're here and you never trusted Christ probably most everything I said doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you let me give you the one message that you do need Jesus Christ died on a cross was buried and he rose again to take away your sin. And we're all guilty of that. You can either try to pay for it, or can you let the only one who can pay for it do that? That's Jesus. He gave his all so that we could be made right with God. If you've heard me you never trusted, I am, I'll use Paul's language, I beseech you to trust Jesus as your Savior today. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and ask Him to forgive your sins and be your Savior. If you're a believer, let's rest in the Lord. Let's trust Him. Let's avoid hypocrisy. And let's work on the inner man to be holy. Holy. So, we can be the salt and light that this world needs. Just to let you know, we're not going to go straighten out the world, but we will influence and impact many people when we are living out the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, as we uh, come this morning, we know that hypocrisy is the, the one thing that just so, so destroys a church, destroys. And, and, and puts a, a black mark on your people. Help us to avoid that. And Lord, when we catch ourselves in those hypocritical times, help us to confess that sin to you, to make reparation to the people we've hurt. And Lord, help us. Oh Lord, help us to live out, live out the Lord Jesus. So others can see and they can know that there's, there's hope for them. Father, if there's someone here and they've not trusted you, I pray that even right now they will look to you and place their faith in, your, in the death, burial, and resurrection of your son. And Lord, help us as your people to be a blessing to each other, And Lord, to those who are outside who need to know the truth, help us to honor and glorify you in all that we do. We ask in Jesus' name.